The 2021 season led to some optimism in Detroit. Then 2022 came around, and yikes. We're going to talk a little bit about the Old English D with the creator of the blog, Old English D, and many other things Tiger-related. It's Jennifer Cozy is stopping by the podcast for the first time to talk about Tigers baseball here on Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. You know the drill. It is now Tuesday, the 22nd day of November 2022, and we're going to be talking about the Tigers with Jennifer Cozy and some positive things. There were some. Some negative things, there were more of those. And wondering what the optimism should be for 2023. You can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pod, same handle for Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter, on my personal account, which is Sully Baseball, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, the internet is a strange place. And over the years, I've been able to interact with people and listen to people and meet people and Sometimes just communicate with people and you realize, well, I've never met this person in in person. But it doesn't really matter because we're still communicating all the time. The baseball Twitterverse has led me to a Detroit Tiger fan with the handle Viva Tigres, which is Tigers in French. You didn't think I knew that. And I'm bringing her aboard. It's the first time she's ever appearing on the Lockdown Podcast Network or even the old Sully Baseball Show. Bring her aboard. Jennifer Cozy. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Sully, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk about some baseball. Okay. Well, first of all, before we get too deep into the glories that was the 2022 season with the Detroit Tigers, um, where are you physically on the planet Earth and what's right behind you? Okay. So I am in a suburb of Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I recently moved here from the from Ann Arbor, Michigan. So I'm a lifelong Michigander until just a little over a year ago. Um, but now I enjoy sunshine instead of snowfall in the winter. So, um, and behind me, I've got a few little Tiger memorabilia things here and there. I've got an Al Kaline um, glove, not a signed Al Kaline glove, just an Al Kaline model glove. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of baseballs signed by Austin Jackson, a couple of bobbleheads, stuff like that. Now, by the way, welcome to a warmer climate. I'm a native New Englander who is currently living in California, have been living in California for a while. I don't see myself returning to New England. Uh, they would have to pay me a lot of money to return back there. So welcome to year-round sunshine. Uh, it's it's bizarre. For, here's one thing that's maybe... And I may be wrong about this guy. I used to know all the sites for spring training. But if last time I checked, the Tigers still trained in Florida at Lakeland. Is that still where they They train? do. So, yes, they absolutely do. And I, I doubt they'll ever leave there. I wish they would come to Arizona. But they, they recently upgraded facilities in Lakeland. So that relationship has been going on for a very long time. And so they will not be leaving. But 
I am about three miles from the spring training stadium for Texas Rangers and Kansas City Royals. They share the facility in surprise. And so um, I have, since I'm a recent transplant, I did go to a number of spring training games last year and I had a season pass to the Arizona Fall League. So, oh, there you go. And are you, are you, do, do the Tigers have any representation in the Arizona Fall League? Absolutely. Every team in MLB has representation in the Arizona Fall League, but the Tigers were on the Salt, Salt River Rafters team, which is in Scottsdale, across the valley, about 50, at least 50 minutes. That's with no traffic. Right. So I got to see the Tigers, uh, young ones, a couple times. Uh, they, they did come to surprise a couple times, and then I went to the All-Star Game in the championship. They were not in the championship, of course, mm -hmm. but there were a couple Tigers on the All-Star Game. One of the reasons why I asked that, I, I realized at one point I knew the answer to that, but there's been so much shuffling and canceling in the minor league world recently that I was like, wait a minute, maybe they don't have representation. Like it, it, it's sometimes hard to keep track. There was a period of time I knew every AAA affiliate for every team. And now native New Englander who's my entire life or my entire baseball watching life, the AAA team for the Red Sox have been in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. And just send them to Pawtucket was just, you know, the, something you said. And now you have to send them to Worcester. You know, that's just yeah, it's it, crazy. I don't I don't know any. I know for a long time it was in Toledo for Detroit. Who is there? Is it where where are they? Is Their it still AAA is still in Toledo. There yep, you go. Double A is in Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Single A is in um, the Whitecaps, which is in um, West Michigan. Right. By the way, I went to... Uh, I, I have a uh, a loving relationship with the Erie Seawolves in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, I um, uh, The first one during my stand-up comedy days, my first paid weekend show was in Erie, at Juniors in Erie, where I got to, a, you know, a weekend as the middle act in a blizzard in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I've since named uh, Erie, Pennsylvania the most aptly named city in the United States. Um, by the way, watch the Netflix uh, real crime documentary, Evil Genius, which is a, it's a phenomenal uh, documentary about, you know, a real crime murder. It, it, it's like a Coen brothers film because it's scary. There's death, but there's a dark sense of humor to it. And, uh, and of course it takes place in, Erie, Pennsylvania. But um, I had my Erie Seawolves hat for a long time, which I believe at the time they were a Pirates affiliate uh, back in the early 1990s. Uh, but then again, I could be wrong about that. But they're still in Toledo, so that makes me happy. There's at least some consistency in the world. Right. But uh, my, my, this has nothing to do with the Tigers or anything. I just always loved when in the 80s when I was really, you know, going beyond just reading the back of baseball cards but really digging deep into it as a as a high schooler the triple a affiliate for the pirates for a while was in hawaii <laughs> and i always thought that and when they moved it to to i believe it was buffalo they suddenly started playing well and i think right. the they had a real taxi squad available finally yeah but it's also like hey uh you're not hitting well so let me ask you a question. Do you want to be in Pittsburgh this summer or do you want to be in Hawaii? 
<laughs> right. Like, oh, Skip, I can't quite hit that curveball. Better send me to Hawaii. Yeah, that was always a, uh, that seemed like the most inconvenient situation for a AAA affiliate. There Especially in way. Pennsylvania, where there's so many cities, like smaller cities, in, you know, within that whole state. Right. That'd be the perfect minor league homes for, well, for a taxi squad that can actually get you a player, you know, within a couple hours. To West Virginia, to, to Youngstown, Ohio, all of that area. Let me ask you a question, Jennifer. We are, I swear we're going to get to the modern Tigers, but I think you and I are roughly the same age, late 20s. And um, <laughs> yep. when, I mean, I grew up in New England during the late 70s and throughout the 80s before my family moved west. So, you know, my guys were like Fred Lynn and Jim Rice and uh, the end of Yastrzemski and the beginning of Boggs and Clemens and all them. That was the, you know, that was my era of, that was my sweet spot growing up. Who were you, who were your uh, players growing up and who was, who were the first Tigers that were kind of like, this is my guy here? So I have a really great story for you to seg into this. So. I did not become a baseball fan at a really, really young age. You know, I was not that seven-year-old who was just all about baseball. In the fourth grade, my fourth grade teacher was a baseball fanatic. Shout out Bill Emblem, uh, fourth grade teacher. And he he made us learn the Carl Yastrzemski song. We had a, a literal banner in our classroom that said, we miss you, Roberto Clemente. And we had a baseball party at, like at one guy. point during the year. I, like I was not a baseball fan at that time. However, in 1983, my aunt and uncle took me to my very first Tiger game at Old Tiger Stadium. And that very day, I was instantly and hopelessly forever in love with baseball. So the seeds were planted by my fourth grade teacher. I didn't appreciate it at the time. I wish I did. But I went to this game in the summer of 1983 and I fell in love with baseball and the Tigers and Kirk Gibson was my OG Tiger. He was my first favorite Tiger. Not a bad and first, not I a love bad that he was my tiger. favorite Tiger because you know he hit the iconic home run in 1984. He hits the iconic home run in 1988 for the Dodgers. He was just such an intense guy that loved the game so much and and really wanted to capitalize on those moments of, you know, winning that battle you against the pitcher and so that that was my guy but of course i love lou whitaker he should be in the hall of fame absolutely That's a discussion for another day yep but he comps so well to any other second baseman in the hall i'd like to have that discussion with some of the baseball writers of america you see me but... nodding you see me nodding that's lou whitaker should be in the hall of fame if for no other right. reason that he did the cameo with Alan Trammell on that episode of Magnum P.I. <laughs> right. That's a good time to fall in love with the Tigers, by the way, when you look out there. Uh, I had Larry Herndon on as a guest a while ago, and he talked about catching the final out. that He caught the right. fly ball that clinched the World Series in 84. And, uh, you know, he said it was like, it was a little bit of an out of body experience. Like it was, everything was in slow motion and, you know, when running over it was, he said it wasn't a hard catch. He had to run for it, but he could, he said he knew he was going to get it. And that just sort of was like the whole thing just like said, time just slowed down trying to catch that yep. final moment. And 
I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that final catch and watched, you know, the team celebrate afterwards. So yeah, that's so great that you got to talk with them. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll look at when you go to Tiger Stadium circa 1983, the year before. So you've already fell in love with them. And so the next year, you know, it would stink if the first year, I think it would be weird if the first year you really followed them, they won it all. But you, know, you saw them the year before when they were already a very good team in that beautiful stadium. And it's just a surefire bet that you were going to be a fan for life. And if you're going to make any bets, go to betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer, esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, I know I do, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Here with Jennifer Cozy, we're having some good memories for the Tigers, which means we're not talking about the 2022 Tigers. Um, let me just ask you one more quicker. We'll, we'll delve into the current team. The Tigers had a great run in the early part in the the 2000 from basically 2006 to 2014 but they never they never won at all and you know you look back and you have a rotation that includes you know three Cy Young award winners in Scherzer Verlander and Porcello and actually Price went on to win a Cy Young and actually Robbie Ray was on one of those I mean they had I mean unbel- like Annabelle Sanchez was like the forgotten member of that pitching staff and you know, you got Miggy Cabrera and you've got so many wonderful players on that team. And yet Dombrowski always forgot to put together a bullpen. And I especially look at, and I hate to say this because I do love, you know, the native New Englander in me. I love the Boston Strong team of 2013. That Tiger team should have clobbered the Red Sox. And two grand slams, the famous one where the cop jumping up, but then the grand slam by uh Shane Victorino I mean people forget the Tigers took a combined no hitter into the ninth inning of game one and were up 5-1 in game two it looked like men versus boys and I absolutely believe that if those two grand slams were caught at the wall the Tigers not only they win the pennant but I think they make mincemeat out of the St. Louis Cardinals and then 84 is no longer 84 is now off the hook. Um, right. I know. Yeah. I'm when not, I became I'm not trying to salt in the wounds, but you know, it's just, it's, it's frustrating for that, that great run to not have one that goes, that comes to fruition. Exactly. When I became a fan, I didn't realize that 1984 was going to be the last world series win that I would see for this long. And I've had three sets of world series tickets go unused. And I'm bitter, you know, I'm like, I had tickets in 2006 to game six. We got put out in five games. I had tickets in 2012. I I was in denial. I'm like, we're not going to get swept. I have tickets to game five. My sister's driving up from Indiana. We're going to the game together for game five. There's no way we get swept in that series. That's right. I forgot, you know, and it's funny because I, my, my dad, may rest in peace, was a San Francisco fan. So obviously I was rooting for the Giants that year. I totally forgot that they clinched it on the road. 
Like I, I like I was thinking it was four game and the Giants. Oh, no, that's right. They did the the call. You know, man, I am just getting all sorts of salt in the wound for you. I'm so sorry. It's all right. I, like I said, I have all this bitterness in my heart, but I will go to a World Series game before I die. I I hope. Yeah, well, they don't make proclamations. But by the way, I went. I've not been to Comerica. It's still called Comerica, right? Like they changed names of stadiums so quickly. Like I was, I referred to, um, what was it Safeco Field and in Seattle? And no, it's T-Mobile, and it's like Guaranteed Rate Park in Chicago, you know, or even like eight. Like I just got used to calling it AT and T Park in San Francisco, and now it's Oracle Park. Just stick to a name. It's the same place, okay. It's the same place. Anyway. And nobody's going to stop calling it something different. So you might as well stick with the same sponsorship because no one's going to remember the next one down the line. But yes, it's still Comerica. Um, you know, comparing Comerica to Tiger Stadium is really difficult because I don't know. Did you ever go to a game at Tiger Stadium? Yes. Yes, I did. So if you were sitting in the upper deck infield, because it was th their supports, you were right on top of the action. And it was the most amazing feeling in the world. At Comerica, of course, everything is just way back. And if you sit in the upper deck, you got to sit in the club seats in the first couple rows. Otherwise, there's no point. Right. Um, so from a seating standpoint, you know, it's just not the same, but it is a nice park overall. Um, yeah, I the one time I went, I used to go on baseball trips with my dad. Uh, like we would go to like three state three or four stadiums in three different days and this is the early 90s so this is pre StubHub and pre internet and map quests and everything so we would have to line up on the the bill mazeroski baseball guide and sort of circle all the schedules and so we would find okay if we go to this game in milwaukee on a thursday we can go to wrigley field on a or like wrigley field on a saturday Tiger Stadium on a Sunday, get back to New Comiskey Park on a Sunday, and then fly back to San Francisco. And we used to do trips like that. And we would always, we would circle the stadiums that were rumored to be near the Wreckers Ball. So we were able to go to Tiger Stadium. We were able to go to Milwaukee County Stadium, Old Cleveland Stadium, Riverfront, Three Rivers, a bunch of the stadium, you know, the stadium in Montreal, you know, the stadiums that we're probably no longer going to use. And we went to, I'll tell this story again, what the hell? Um, we went to a game in 1991. The Tigers were good in 1991. And they were playing Toronto. And Toronto, obviously, you know this, there are a lot of fans come over from Toronto. So when it's Toronto was in first, Detroit was in second. And this was in July. And it was a very heated, you still had Trammell, you still had some of the, there were still some remnants of 84 on the team. And the 91 Blue Jays were terrific. And we get to our seats. I'm taking a bunch of pictures. It's packed. It, it's absolutely packed. And this is when tickets get mailed to your house. And they just rip them. There wasn't the scanning or anything like that. And we get to our seats and we're getting there. My dad and I are there. And someone else is there. They have our seats. And the usher looks and we have the wrong day. We're supposed to be there the pre the next day. But we're going to be driving to um, Chicago the next day on our trip. And so my dad, like, bribes the usher and says, 
find us an extra seat. And the guy said, all right, if I, if there's a two together, he said, I'll keep you like, he would, he was going to move us around and we were, you know, and you know, of course now they would scan the ticket and see that it's, it's incorrect. Anyway. So I'm there. My dad is a little nervous because he doesn't want to be, you know, kicked out. And the first batter of the game is uh, Devon White of Toronto. First pitch is ball one. Second pitch is hit for a homer. Next up is Roberto Alomar. Third pitch of the game is a home run. The next batter up is Joe Carter. The fourth pitch of the game is at his head and a bench-clearing brawl breaks out. So we've seen four pitches and seen two homers on a brawl. And I turned to my dad and said, if they kick us out now, we've already seen a lot. And my dad laughed and relaxed. And ultimately, you know, we did have to move a couple of times. And in the seventh or eighth inning, Morgana the Kissing Bandit, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember her, um, she was a woman who was uh, blessed uh, physically and would run onto the field and try to kiss a player and then get arrested. Well, she showed up and ran on the field and tried to kiss John Olrood, who I think had a heart attack. And then she next ran over to Robbie Alomar, who planted a kiss on her. And then she was arrested. So needless to say, we got our money's worth. And my one time I went to Tiger Stadium. That is a great story. <laughs> I have another true. great story relating yeah. to the Blue Jays. So in 1987, I was a student at the University of Michigan. And if you remember the end of the 1987 season, it was coming down to the very last game between yep. the Blue Jays and the Tigers for the division. And it was Jimmy Key versus Frank Tanana? Frank Tanana. Right. Mm -hmm. So Did that's a memory. Yep, that's great memory. So we're just students, you know, we're just like, well, we have to go to this game. We have to go stand out for bleacher tickets because back in those days, they did not sell bleacher tickets until day of the game. Mm -hmm. So we said, we're going to get up early in the morning. We're going to drive down to the stadium with the one person that in our dorm that has access to a car. And we're going to sit out, stand out and try to get tickets to this game. So we do it. We arrived, I think it was like 830 in the morning and the line was already halfway around the stadium. So we're like, I don't know if we're going to get in. We might not even get tickets. Who knows what's going to happen? So we wait in line all this time. We get in. So we're in the bleachers, of course, and it's just raucous. I mean, the place is crazy, crazy rowdy. Some guy in the bleachers disembowels a stuffed Blue Jay <laughs> animal, you know, just a stuffed animal, Blue Jay, just, just rips right. it apart to shreds. And, you know, of course, if you remember the game, it's a 1-0 pitcher's duel. The Tigers are winning 1-0. In the did, seventh wait, inning. Did, Her did Herndon get the home run in that? Was, or was I it Chet Lemon? So. Or was it I Chet Lemon? I think it Lemon? was Herndon, if my memory serves. But the reason my memory is clouded is because in the seventh inning, when we're ahead 1-0, in what's essentially a play-in game, our ride says we better leave to avoid the traffic. And I'm like melting down. I'm like, what do you mean? We're not, what do you mean we have to leave? And if it had been modern day, I would have said, you guys can go. I'm catching an Uber back to Ann Arbor. Yeah. I don't care how yeah. much it costs. But the, I had no cell phone. I had no ATM. I mean, I think I had an ATM card, but I didn't know where my, you know, I just had no wherewithal to get back to Ann Arbor from Detroit on my own. So she, we leave, but I'm like hanging on to the, the gate, the, 
the fence, like trying to watch as we're leaving the game. And then I'm fuming the entire ride back to Ann Arbor. And ever since then, I tell everybody, if you come to the game with me, we're not leaving early. I don't care if it's raining, snowing. I don't care if we're losing 11 to zero. We are not leaving this game early. It's a clinching game. The point is to watch them clinch. By the way, you mentioned, even... you mentioned Kirk Gibson earlier. My favorite part of the clip of him hitting the home run while in Los Angeles against Oakland in the 88 World Series is you see as the ball is traveling into the right field stands, you can see the some of the fans who have left early and how many of them suddenly their brake lights go on and they realize they were at game one of the World Series and didn't see the Kirk Gibson home run. Can you imagine being that stupid? No, no, never, never. Um, it's telling that we have been talking for 25, nearly 30 minutes, and we still have not brought up the 2022 Detroit Tigers. We will talk about I think about there's that. a reason for that. All right, let's well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be a nasty human being, Jennifer. Um the 2021 Tigers finished the season pretty well. And there was this sense of, oh, okay, they're not pushing anymore. And there was no sense that they were going to win the division in 2022. But it's not like there was a juggernaut in that division. And there was a thought of, all right, they're taking the next big step towards improvement. And they brought in uh, Baez. So suddenly they became a buyer. And you could look up and you could say, all right, this could be a team that that plays well, that could that could uh, you know, could contend. They could pitch. They have a couple of new hitters. They, you know, AJ Hinch showed he's not, he's not all just uh, uh, trash cans and uh, buzzers. And uh, wow, they could not have got off to a worse start. And they just never. They took a massive step forward. It's not a massive step backwards. I'm sorry. In 2022. You follow the team a hell of a lot closer than I do. Um, Dr. Cozy, uh, please give us the autopsy. So there's a lot of things. Um, of course, injuries are part of any team season. I don't like to use injuries as an excuse, but almost every single member of our starting rotation went down for a significant amount of time. The player who had the most starts of anyone in our rotation was Tarek Skubal. And that was only 21 starts. That was the most starts we got out of anybody. And so that was part of it. Eduardo Rodriguez was MIA for personal reasons for a large part of the season. Um, and then also we have to talk about our hitting, which was in the bottom three in the American League in almost every single offensive statistical category. We had people hitting way below the Mendoza line, the worst hitting slash lines of their career. We didn't have a single player with an OPS over 800. It was just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, I'm right now, I'm at baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. It is. Uh, I am, I, I'm not one to, I'm not one of these people who clings to war as the end all be all stat. But it is, I treat it like Wikipedia. I think it's a good uh, jumping off point. Now, Javier Baez had a letdown first season with the Detroit Tigers. 
and led the team in war. I mean, if there's if there's anything to just say, because before you and I got on the call, I just pulled up a couple of pages. And I thought, like, who was their top player? Okay, let's just look at war and use that as a jumping off. Baez was the top player. And uh, I don't see anyone looking at Javier Baez as he's going to be the next statue built around Comerica Park anytime soon. Um yeah, just everything went wrong this year. And and I mean, I was trying, I, I swear, Jennifer Cozy, I was trying to find some happy moments to point at. And, uh, you know, they were, uh, you know, they had a no-hitter, didn't they? Or yes, they- but, yes. But I think the, mo- the only thing I can really think of, like, that was fun about the season was Riley green, um, our rookie of the year. He had a pretty good, good rookie campaign. He was fun to watch. Um, our, our best, um, hitter was that his nickname was hit and Harold and his slash line was, <laughs> was like 271, 300, 381. Yeah. I'm not even joking. Like just, you can't make it up. under 400 and he's right. like the, you know, Eric Haas, uh, he had he had some yeah. power, but like, you know, we you had know, no power. Yeah, you nobody hit more than seventeen home runs. Nobody batted over three hundred. No OPSs in the. Did anyone hit the seven hundred? No, nobody was over eight hundred for OPS. Yeah, I mean, I you know anyone who gave you a little bit of hope from the year before, like you know Badu or Candelario or you know, Torkelson just wet the bed this year. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it was not probably, I mean, if there was one positive thing, it was, this was the year that uh, Cabrera got his 3000th hit, right? Right. So, that was fun to watch, watch the you know, the lead up to that. Um, yeah, those were, those were really the, the very puny highlights. Um, and the rest was just an awful, awful, Okay, so let let's let's get down to things here. Twenty twenty three is coming around. If there's any team that I think, look at, I'm not saying be reckless because this team's nowhere near a pennant, but you get the sense that this team doesn't have even that. It's weird. I mean, like they need just a professional hitter in their lineup, and you wonder how much of a ripple effect that would have. I'm not saying they'd be like Terry Pendleton, put him in the middle of the Braves lineup in the middle of 1991 and suddenly go from last to first because that team had a ton of talent that was just about ready to you know, develop. I don't see that with this Tiger team, but you got to look and say, if there's a, you know, a, a quality hitter out there who could at least take some of the pressure off of everyone or maybe have someone see some better pitches, don't you think they would almost have to make a move like that? Otherwise, you're going to have a completely lost 2023 as well. They they would, but I don't think Tigers fans trust Chris Illich to do that. Mm. Last year, they should have just signed Correa. Yeah. He was available. They should have signed Correa. That, that was the move. They didn't do it. The year before that, there were tons of quality free agents available at a reasonable price. We did nothing. And so I don't think anybody trusts that Chris Illich is going to do anything 
that's worth noting. By the way, for those of you who are going to listen to the other um, on this Thanksgiving week, listen to some of the other shows I'm putting together, I am doing a whole show about something. I talked about it a little bit last week, but I want to take the stigma away from buying a championship. Oh, they just bought a championship. What's wrong with that? Isn't that what you want your owners to do? Isn't that what their job is? For goodness sakes, why is that looked upon as something, well, they just bought that. Great. Fantastic. You know, it beats, you know, it beats, well, we're developing this player, this player. Ooh, they asked for more than $5 an hour. We're going to have to deal with them. But they got three young players. It's almost like a pyramid scheme. Like, we got these prospects, we got these three prospects, we got these three prospects. You know, the, the the lesson we learned, and I'm going to talk about this in tomorrow's show, but the lesson we learned from the NLCS is when big free agents are available, sign them. Sign Absolutely. them. If you can make a move to improve your current team, do it. Do it. Because exactly. yes, 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 sometimes those prospects will turn into Sometimes a Hall of Famer like Jeff Bagwell or Ryan Samberg or an MVP like Josh Donaldson. But most of the time, they're Matt Laporta or Kyle Drabeck or, uh, you know, what's his name? Montero, who everyone in the Yankees thought was always oh, with the next Cabrera. Then he got fat and someone threw an ice cream sandwich at him. You know what? Hoarding your prospects. Oh, because we're kind of, yeah, yeah. A lot of times they turn out great. Sometimes they bust. And if you're, what are you doing if not trying to win a championship? So, you know, think about how irrelevant the Phillies and the Padres were. Phillies couldn't sniff a winning record, and the Padres forgot they existed. And then they're the two teams in the NLCS. I don't know. I don't know, Jennifer Cozy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't get the world. I don't understand what's happening. No one can explain it to me. There you go. No, I'll tell you what. And when when Chris Illich's father, Mike Illich, gave a surprised deal to Prince Fielder. Now, it didn't work out. But when the signing happened, I stood in my kitchen for 10 minutes straight with my fist in the air like, yes, we just signed another piece that's going to help us win a championship. It didn't work out, but he had a neck injury and there were other factors. So but like you said, you have to go for it when you have that window. You don't know when you're going to get back to the World Series. You go for it when you can. They won a pennant with him. I mean, it's not like he was a total bust. No. They got to the World Series. They've only been to the World Series three times in your fandom. And one of them was with Prince Fielder at first base. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> I had to cough. Well, look at Jennifer Cozy is a diehard tigers fan and as a, as you could follow her on twitter now why is your twitter handle in french it's actually spanish so oh i'm that, sorry when my other favorite tiger maglio ordonez was a tiger we had a venezuelan contingent on the team of like i don't know even how many players at one time mm -hmm. um and so it's spanish um just for you know let's go tigers and so that is why my handle is that well, follow it, everyone. Look at her lower third. It's right there. Follow it. And, uh, you know, check her out. And I want to, by the way, I just want to thank you and I have gone back and forth and back and forth over the years. I'm really glad that you now can be listed 
as a not just a friend of the podcast, but a guest of the podcast when I do my little Twitter blasts um, for how many more weeks we're going to have Twitter before that implodes. Uh, I'm going to stick around. People are leaving. I'm going to see. I want to see how this ends. But uh, oh hey, yeah, thanks. I'm going down with the ship for sure. No kidding. Totally going down with the ship. It's like thank you so much for having me on. I've had such a great time. I really enjoyed it. By the way, the people who are leaving Twitter now are like your friends who left the clinching game in 1987. You're gonna leave now? This is where the Death Star is about to blow up. What are are you talking about? You know, Tanana Tanana has uh, has two two outs at the bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth. Let's go. Uh, Hey, thanks so much for making Lockdown MLB your first listen. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today is available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking Tigers, like you do on Thanksgiving week, with now friend and guest of the podcast, Jennifer Cozy. Nice to have you on board, finally. This has been Locked On MLB for the 22nd day of November. Happy birthday, Lisa, 2022. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.